Welcome, Pathfinders. Hello. Uh, would you <laughs> so expect me to do the whole spill? It's so quiet. <laughs> there's a, so there's a gaping quiet. silence where your where your intro normally goes. Yes, welcome, Pathfinders, to Recall Knowledge for Best Theory One, as presented by the Find the Path Ventures Twitch feed and subsequent Find the Path Ventures podcast feed. I am your host, Rick Sandage. I am joined by the indomitable Jordan Jenkins and the incredible Ross Scoggin for uh, today's discussion over the best theory one. Why, you might ask, are we talking about a book from a year ago? Jordan, answer the question. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So if you guys didn't know this, um, Paizo doesn't release content often enough for us to do this every two weeks. Without having to go back. So uh, we actually are going back and doing older content and reviewing it uh, as if it was new. To give a Um, comprehensive exam. Yes, Mm -hmm. to be comprehensive to all of Paizo's products. So we will eventually catch up. Um, Although maybe if we're lucky, we won't catch up because Mm -hmm. that would be even better, which means they're releasing more content. More. Give us more. always do with more. 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 More is good. (laughs) Yep. I mean, at least, uh, what would that be, 26 books a year would be great mm-hmm. i mean that'd be killer right yeah <laughs> not, not counting adventure path volumes. i was gonna yeah. say to be honest they probably do with adventure paths yeah but, well you know. yeah but uh, reviewing uh, adventure path bo- volumes would get really spoilery really yeah quickly. oh super spoilery yeah. yeah but uh yeah so we're going to be talking about the best theory one today uh which was launched back with the core rule book in august of 2019 mm-hmm. uh i believe it was so it actually seems like forever ago yeah yeah well it, yeah I mean, Gen Con, uh, Gen Con passed. So that was back in the day when you could get together with people and do things. Why you got to make it sad, man? That's, That's just Rick. what I do. <laughs> it's literally so, his job. Classic Rick. <laughs> and of course, I entitled this uh, this Bestiary one, although I believe it's just called Bestiary. Mm-hmm. It's true. They don't uh, actually. Oh, yeah. It doesn't actually have a number on it. Just like. Yeah. You know, there is yeah. a best theory two out by this point and a best theory three announced in the works. Uh, yeah. Yep. Maybe eventually they'll catch up to, uh, to, to one E which had its six best theories full of amazing content. But, uh, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, they're already going much faster at the best theory releases. True. Yeah. And fortunately they had the best theory out now. I wanted to say for the alien archive for Starfinder, it was a couple months between the core rulebook release. Yeah, it was mm. a bit because I remember they released like a supplemental that had like basically everything you would need for society and for uh, the first adventure path, Dead Sons. Yeah, mm. I think that was the type, the one with the typo for the sniper rifle that did like 20 D6 damage or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <some ridiculous. laughs> then again, it's Starfinder. That might not have been a typo. Uh, I suppose we should get started with this. So best yeah. theory... One. Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll kind of start with my thoughts on it. Um, so the the bestiary is kind of an essential buy, right? Yep. I mean, it has most of the core monsters. Um, the, the biggest thing about it is, you know, the, the way that I kind of felt about the first bestiary was, okay, it had... It had a fair breadth of stuff, but it was all very much in a Western fantasy setting. Um, and what's really interesting about the first bestiary or bestiary coming into second edition is it there's like something for everybody in this. I mean, I found one thing that was missing in it, and that was Clockworks. 
mm. which I'm sad about. But they gave <laughs> they gave me golems, so like there's a trade off. <laughs> yeah, you but can only like, ask honestly, for so much. there's there's a lot there's a lot in here. This is a big book, like 341 pages before you get to the appendix. Yeah, 400 something so monsters in it. It's a uh, it's pretty hefty. Mm. Yeah. And these are like, these are not like just like little stat blocks of monsters. This is like with text, with pictures, with mm-hmm. little sidebars that give you a little bit more information. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Russ. Oh, uh, I was mostly going to add um, that. Yes, uh, there actually is. There are quite a few also changes to a number of creatures um, as we get into uh, different areas of Galarian. Some creatures have been reorganized to be related to each other now, whereas before they may not have been placed that way. Um, the um, I always pronounce it wrong, but the, uh, the uh, Golthu. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. They're technically all together now, whereas before, you know, like, and it makes sense because they're all related creatures. They're all related yeah, the, to each the, other in different the ways. Abolith, just, the Veld Masters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Faceless Stalkers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All those things that they created. Technically, I feel like Gilman should be thrown in there, too. Yeah, probably. Although I don't recall. I don't think they're in this volume or in this best area. I don't all. think they are either. Uh, no, they're not. But, uh. Well, I suppose we should just start at the beginning, make our way through. My general thoughts are I have enjoyed this book. Mm-hmm. I also really like monster books just because I like having options. Yeah. You know, and I usually find myself on this side of the game master screen. So uh, this side being my side and the game master. See, Ross knows what I'm doing. <laughs> I know what uh, you're doing. <laughs> behind the screen. Not in behind the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh. So let's go ahead and delve into this a little bit. Looking at the, uh, let's start with the cover. Mm -hmm. I like the cover to this book. Oh yeah. The, uh, the pointed head Hydra is a little interesting. I think they went for just pointed head for like, for dragon adjacent things anyway, because kobold are also very pointed head now. Yeah. Like oh, vaguely shark-like, it's kind of what well, I, I, I mean. See. It is Wayne Reynolds' art on the front too? His his style that's does true. tend to be very angular in general, but yeah, that's that true. is true. Yeah, which I do um, appreciate. I think it's great, but yeah, yeah, and it it illustrates the uh, the classic um, troll design. Mm-hmm. I call back again to the best series one. The kobolds on the cover, you know, they replaced the goblins with kobolds mm-hmm. because goblins are PCs now. Yeah, uh, we can't have well, those monsters, even though they put catfolk in this as monsters. That's because so. catfolk are monstrous. <laughs> How dare you? So yeah. rude. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm sure Jessica probably is you know, screaming somewhere about how much she hates the uh, the cobalt redesign, because I know that Jessica does not like the cobalt redesign. I kind of like the little salamanders. Mm. I mean, I'm neutral on it. Like, it's a, it's OK. I'm not like I'm not offended by it, but I'm not like yippee excited about it so you know it's a change and it's cool they've grown on me i mean like at first i was like oh that's a little weird but like the more i look at i'm just like oh that's kind of cool actually i like it so yeah Eh. so and then uh, after that we get into the the table of contents that's always fun (laughs) (laughs) we're really going line by line in this are we line by line (laughs) i mean as a librarian i'd have to look at that to catalog it so you know introduction uh, page five uh But yeah, and then they get into the introduction. The introduction kind of breaks down how the uh, um, 
the creatures work, playing the creatures, how the stat blocks are laid out. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of where we get into the first interesting bit of this in that monsters in 2E, in first edition, monsters basically ran off of the same framework as characters did. Mm -hmm. uh, they listed the skills, they had the ability scores, so on and so forth. In 2E, there was a, a deci decision to go from uh, having them play effectively using the same rules to having them have their own separate rule set. And that's an inheritance from Starfinder. So if you yeah. haven't played Starfinder, Starfinder works the same system of different rules for enemies than there is for mm -hmm. players. Yeah. Like one of the first things I noticed, there's no hit dice for the monsters. There yeah. just aren't. Nope. They're just like, nope. here's how many hit points they have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, frankly, that's what I needed to know most of the time anyway. So well, yeah, unless you're one of those rare people that's just like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to roll and see how many hit points this boulet has. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, people do that? I've never done that ever. <laughs> I, I have heard an argument for some people saying that they do that for multiple monsters so that players can't just, if you have multiple, say, for instance, you have five boulets that are attacking the party, then you roll for them so that they don't go, okay, this boulet has 85 hit points. Mm. Ergo, we uh, need to do 85 points of damage to each of these boulets and instead yeah. rolling to give them individual hit, hit point scores. I guess it would make sense from like a realism perspective because like, you know, yeah. not everyone will have the exact same health just because they're all the same monster technically. But in 2E, players don't even roll for hit points anymore. So it's true. obviously the monsters yeah. don't need that. <laughs> but, and then we get into some of the, uh, there's some interesting things in the introduction they they kind of front load some of the rules before you actually get into the book proper. Mm -hmm. So they talk about having the uh, elite adjustments as well as the weak adjustments, which I kind of like because the uh, the elite adjustments just let you kind of beef up a monster a bit. If you go, you know, I don't really want to stat out the orc war chief. So here's an orc and then here's an orc with the elite adjustment on it. Mm -hmm. That's their chief. Uh, and the weak adjustment gets around the whole, well, the party can't fight an owlbear at this level. So what if it's just a baby owlbear because they just had the young template in first edition. And so you're killing a lot of like baby owlbears and baby oh, hellhounds. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's mm. just, that's just wrong. Y'all like mm. little druid heart, heart can't yeah. take that. Right? <laughs> so I do like that. They changed the verbiage of that mm -hmm. from, I mean, advanced was always fine. I didn't have a problem with yeah. that verbiage, but I do like the, the uh, elite just, it gives it kind of, it weirdly gives it me to me an MMO feel to it. Like it, it does mm. a little bit. Which I'm, I'm not against. Dips it's a toe in, like, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's fine. Yeah. And then they kind of talk a little bit about, you know, languages, gears, so on and so forth. They've got a, uh, I think Jordan was the one that mentioned this in the little opening thing where he's talking about how the pages are the, uh, the entries are laid out where they've got stat block lore underneath the stat block in the standard 1E edition variety. And then they have sidebars. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they actually give the sidebar icons now so that you get information from your sidebars, but they're one of five categories. So it's like advice and rules, additional lore, locations, related creatures, treasure and rewards. Mm -hmm. uh, do we want to talk about the blending of uh, mechanics and setting? Yes. Yeah, Very sure. Very much so. Yeah. Well, Ross seems excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll kick that over to Ross. I'm excited about it too, actually. No, honestly, a lot of these uh, side sidebars uh, provide for some very interesting information. Um, 
I mean, it a serves as a good introduction for, especially if you haven't really run a lot of Pathfinder before, like, okay, so where does this, you know, creature fit into Galarian? Like, where would I see this? Um, which, you know, again, yeah, if you haven't really run anything before, it's like, uh, hill giants, where do they live in hills? I in the hills. Yeah. It's in the name, Ross. <laughs> it's like, but where is it hilly? Oh, I mean, there's a hill everywhere, right? Over yonder. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like, um, or like the, the section on hellhounds mentions, like you'll find them in Chiliacs because a lot of Chilaxians, um, yeah. you know, will use them as like trackers or, or things like that. I think it's just really cool to have that additional information. Yeah. Um, and it just, it, it helps give it, um, it helps give it more of like an ecosystem vibe. Like Galarian isn't the static place. Like there's stuff going on all the time, even if your characters aren't necessarily involved in it, which is yeah. just cool. It's a living, breathing setting. Absolutely. Well, and and the great thing about including in the sidebars, and mind you, some of it's also in the uh, the mm-hmm. lore itself for the individual creatures, is anything in the sidebars is kind of ancillary. It's additional material that you have. It's additional information that you have. And so you've got the chunk of information that you need, and then the stat blocks that you need. Mm-hmm. And then if you want anything extra on there to go, you know, let me just grab one at random. Uh <laughs> Oh, here we go. The Faceless Stalkers about how the Veld Masters influenced the ancient Aslanti and evoked or invoked the apocalypse of Earthfall and destroyed Aslan when humanity grew too prideful. Spoiler. <laughs> For and like so, 4,000 years ties. ago. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's not really a spoiler at this point. 10,000 years ago. Oh, so I'm sure yeah, it's you're past right. the statute Sorry. of limitations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and so it gives you some some flavor about you know, how they tie into the setting while still just letting you have a big section talking about the ecology mm-hmm. of the faceless stalker. Yeah. And I felt like a lot of them definitely give you more history as well. So like the boule is an example, I didn't realize boule were magical creations mm. and it talks about like how they're they're They were magically created and multiple people have claimed credit for the creation of boules and they think it may have been an elf and there's a couple of reasons why. So it, it gives it more of a, like you don't just get this point in time vision of what the creature is, but you get a little bit of the backstory of it kind of yep. so that was really nice. It's the classic, uh, a wizard did it. Why I are mean, there owlbears? A-, a wizard. A wizard did it. Yeah. <laughs> well, why are there golems everywhere? Wizard. Wizard. Yeah. And I think Uh, it's cool, too, that it adds in like little extra bits that you can give to the players too. like um, giant bags are mentioned in one of them, which is always just a cool thing. Like you fight a giant and then, you know, like you can dig through its bag and take its stuff. And it's always got these like weird things that it keeps on it. Um, Yep. So world's largest ball of yarn. uh, Cool. (laughs) Then, you know, like I throw it to my tiger animal companion. Uh, But You know, yeah, I just I always think that that's neat because it also helps tie the players. And it's like, oh, by the way, did you know that giants have bags? You might want to look in them. They also included uh, as far as, you know, blending setting together with the the bestiary. We'll move on from this topic here in a second if we're boring anyone. Uh, They've also blended in having creatures from the setting in the book, Mm -hmm. Uh, notably first to spring to mind is Tree Razor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is mm-hmm. a big bad mm-hmm. from the setting, but it's just smack down in this dab in the center of this book. 
I mean, I, I like that though because you know, there's always the, like those those people that immediately flip to the highest CR creature and yeah. just gush over it, you know. <laughs> and I think that there's it's also just you know, if your party's defeated everything else, like you know, just go fight that. You're mm. probably gonna lose, but go fight that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's kind of like when they put Cthulhu in there. It's like you're not gonna be Cthulhu, but you can try. <laughs> <laughs> But in case you're, you, you know, you're in case you're just wondering what it would be like, here you go. Knock yep. yourself play a out. What if scenario here? Uh, yep. First, you invent the steam engine. Then you run a boat into them. Mm. <laughs> For anyone okay. who's read That's Call of just, Cthulhu. Uh, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I do actually, I think we should have mentioned this at the top, by the way. We aren't going to be going through uh, monster by monster of this book because yeah. they are like 400 of There's them. It would take forever. 400 monsters. It would take us hours, <laughs> hours. Uh, as such, feel free to post any questions that you wish. Uh, I know we have a, a number of questions that we got from the fine folk over in our Discord before we did this. So if you have any questions, we're going to be going through some of those at the, uh, the end of the stream here. And uh, we'll get back to those here in a minute. So let's... Uh, how about we just do a quick roundtable and uh, everyone just name something that they really have enjoyed about this bestiary as far yeah. as like the way that it's set up or the new mechanics or how all of that works. Uh, the bestiary okay, as a first, whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the one thing that I really enjoy as I was reading through this is how different every creature feels. Mm -hmm. Like there was that kind of feeling in some of the cases that it's like, okay, what's the difference between a goblin and a kobold flavor? You know, there's yeah. there's not really a an appreciable, unique ability that they have. And I feel like they went through all of their monsters and did a very good job of giving them all something unique. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, I'm just going to pick on the boule because I, I read that right before uh, we got on <laughs> to, to record this. It's but, the last thing in my brain. <laughs> yeah, but the boule is one of those creatures that you think, OK, a boule is a boule is a boule. But they gave them the ability to have a favored uh, food. So they get to pick a, a race that they actually um, prefer. So they're like, it's most commonly halflings, but they never pick elves, but they could pick anything else. So it basically gives them kind of favorite enemy. Mm. And so I, I kind of like that, that it's like, okay, this boule really loves humans as food. And so it targets all the humans first. And this one really likes, you know, the half orc it's a, and it goes after the half orc. And I think that that's like a really good way to, not to make every encounter feel slightly different. Like you're not having to just assume like once you fought a boule, you know exactly what it is to fight a boule. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I believe they kept the, uh, they kept the leaping attack that the boule mm -hmm. have, yep. which is also great. Oh, yeah. So yeah. adds new things, but also keeps the old. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mr. Scoggin. <laughs> Mr. Scoggin is my father's name. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> So I think uh, one of my favorite things, um, and I think we briefly touched upon it before, but um, I do like how much this book um, compiles the Galarian setting into it. And the first edition Bestiary, like it was basically very setting neutral. Like the the monsters yes. that were presented there were just like they tend to prefer X environment. Um, you know, but it doesn't really connect it to the world at large. Um, yeah. So I think that, you know, like the Pathfinder take on a lot of stuff is actually really interesting. And I'm really glad to see it just in the core rule books, not just in like the setting guides and all that. Yeah. Um, and I just want to get a little controversial, oh. actually. Hmm. 
because I know a lot of people really liked it being setting neutral and they, I feel like they tested the waters. What was that? The adventurer's guide in first edition um, hmm. where they had the whole, they had chapters on things like the gray maidens and, right. you know, organizations that were Galarian specific, but then they yes. put them out in a book that was not part of the campaign or player's guideline. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the reception from it was obviously good enough that they felt comfortable merging the two together and not keeping mm-hmm. it, you know, setting neutral anymore. Yeah. Much like Starfinder is Starfinder. You know, there's no setting neutral version of the Starfinder mechanics. Yeah. It's, it's just, I think it's um, like, I don't think that stuff necessarily detracts from uh, detracts from like homebrew campaigns or anything like that. If that is, you know, your preferred way to play, because yeah. I think that, you know, like it gives you enough clues that you can kind of get where in Galarian or what in Galarian it's talking about, and then just adapt it to whatever your campaign setting is. Yeah. But I think it's just nice to have that out of the box. You know, I just, I really prefer that. So. No, I absolutely agree. Well, and they've been kind of doing it since the core rule book had a whole chapter on like the Galarian setting inside mm-hmm. of the core rule book also. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it kind of merged a lot of it there. I was also happy uh, to see that. Indeed. The, uh, I suppose the thing that probably jumped out at me that uh, it wasn't something I expected from the best theory. And so I think I appreciated it even more because of that. There are a lot of monsters statted in here. I'll use the null for an example um, that provide a creature and then provide creatures, a variety of creatures of different levels, but the same creature. So you have like mm-hmm. your null. Uh, actually, I'm not even on that page. Hold on. <laughs> Knolls. What are they? What do they do? <laughs> Why am I way down here? But they give you a variety of knolls that you have something like, here's just a regular knoll hunter. And here's like a knoll priest. And here's a knoll chieftain. And they mm-hmm. do that for a lot of other creatures. I think they do that for ogres as well. Yeah. Kobolds, orcs, a number of them. Yeah. yeah. So where it's, you're probably going to need a variety of these. And so instead of you having to go, okay, well, here's an orc and the orc in the book is an orc fighter, but I want an orc cleric. So now I'm going to have to figure out what cleric spells to give him and so on and so forth. They're just like, here's a variety of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminds mm-hmm. me of the monster codex that they put out for first edition that just yes. took, you know, a specific group of creatures. I think gnolls were included in there and just said, here's a whole bunch of different gnolls. And I love that they included that in the book so that you just have that immediately. Mm-hmm. So that if you just go, hey, somebody's of mine, we're going to get together, we're going to play, make some first level characters, I'm going to throw them at some classic orcs attacking a village. And then you can yeah. immediately go without having to do any extra legwork on your own. Yeah. So I thought that was a, I thought that was a phenomenal choice. Well, how about the, yeah. how about the other side of it? Is there something uh, either of you didn't like? Hmm. Minor B for me. Mm-hmm. And this is because I like clockworks a lot, being a technologist. <laughs> I think they're awesome. There's no clockworks in this, and it makes me sad. Back to the clockworks again. I, I like the clockworks, man. They're really cool. <laughs> so that that's my, I mean, that, and that's me splitting hairs, honestly. Like, I, I couldn't find a lot to dislike about this book. Yeah. So... I think for me, um, one of the things, again, I, I think I feel it is a relatively minor thing, and it probably really only affects like people who've been playing 
you know, Pathfinder especially for so long because let's face it, you know, like at the very least I know Rick and I were in when it came out, like when that uh paper test yeah the beta test was out i remember (laughs) flipping through that i think you still have yours actually i do actually i got a good old jason bullman and uh james jacobs to sign that for me. oh that's awesome nice um but yeah no i remember uh so in this bestiary there are a few monsters that are in different places because again we were talking about how they're sort of grouped together so sometimes I'll look up something and be like, oh, yeah, no, a treant. I know where to find those. And it's like, oh, no, actually, they're with the arboreals and they're also named something different now. So, yeah, treant isn't a thing. And then I'm like, yeah, oh, <laughs> right. And then so and, I- and they tend to use the actual technical correct term for mm-hmm. it. So they don't just call them like dark stalkers and dark creepers. They are Caligny. Yeah. So like if you're not used to thinking of them in that way, it's going to feel like you're going to take forever to find them. Yeah. I mean, it's I can overcome it. It's just one of those things where I'm like, all right, no, they change. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know, yeah. So I'm probably going to get better at it as time goes on. But I'm still probably going to at least have a few times where I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. They're on plain touch now. Yeah, they don't have I, their own uh, separate entry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think mine is is, is a similar. Um, my little bit of a gripe that I have is a similar thing to that. Where one, some of the creatures are renamed, mm-hmm. so it's not like Sturges anymore. They're like blood, blood something or another, blood seekers. Think, yeah, something like that. Um, so like that kind of throws me, and kind of what you were saying earlier, where they've got creatures that are um sorry just lost my tap they have creatures that were separate before like i think mites for instance mm-hmm. i believe uh, mites are now a category like categorized under a different category because they used to be kind of standalone you know mm-hmm. gremlin creatures and now they're clumped in with the rest of them or again if you if you didn't know that there was a a connection between the faceless stalkers and the ab- or the ableths, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't necessarily know to look for them in the Golthu section. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think some of that's just going to be things I have to get used to. Yeah. And it's a small gripe considering that for years I've been fine with, you know, okay, and now the party's fighting a succubus open up to demons. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. obviously something that's been going on for a while. True. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. I don't. Really it's a good have... book. It's full of monsters. <laughs> yep, it's a monstrous book. It's a monster book of monsters, really. I yeah. mean, not everything in here, you know. Like, well, th- that's always the cool thing about every Bestiary Paizo puts out too, is that not everything in here is an opponent necessarily. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. All it's, sorts of different creatures. Honestly, it's it's also good for NPCs because they mm-hmm. do stat out like like I was mentioning catfolk. Um, they stat out um, Tengu and some other like of the races that they at the time hadn't actually brought in as playable characters. So you yeah. know you did get the chance to still have them in the setting without necessarily being able to play them. Yeah, the new ancestries and heritages we got from Advanced Players Guide, and we'll probably continue to get from books far into the future. One can hope. <laughs> At the very least, until we get all the, you know, we get to the point where we can make all the classes and race combinations or ancestry combinations that we were able to in first edition mm-hmm. once again. Um, 
so I suppose uh last real big question from my end. What do you think of just the stat blocks? Mm. Uh, those are getting a little bit into the uh, the nitty gritty here. Personally, I like <laughs> the smaller stat, stat blocks. Generally speaking, they are smaller than first edition, mm-hmm. which leaves more room for more monsters uh, as well as more lore, which is always something I appreciate. Uh, they're 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 smaller, but I also like that they still gave the same amount of page space to give you all their abilities. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's 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 one of those things. The actual stats themselves are small, but they're all their stuff that is different about them is still there, um, which I appreciate because it's not it, the one thing that was difficult as a first time GM was having to learn all the universal monster rules because it's like it has this thing and you're just like, what's that thing? Flip to the appendix and look it up. Yeah. They, they put a lot of that in here so that it's very easy for you to just have it on hand, which I appreciate yeah. as a, you know, as a not uh, super. um long playing GM. Yeah. I think um, one of my favorite additions is, I mean, it usually they'd mention in the first edition best areas, you know, like if something can do something as a move action, as a standard action, whatever, but yeah. it was still, you had to read through it. It's actually really nice to just have a pictorial representation of how yeah. many actions it takes for the monster to do X. And that's yeah. all, you know, like I don't have to read through a paragraph and then it goes, okay, as a standard action, that's what it is. Right. Yeah. You know, um, it's like, no, this is a two action ability. There we go. Done. So, yeah. And I'm sure they appreciate it also as, as, as the authors to just <laughs> not have to say as a standard action, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. As a move action, blah, 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 blah. As a react or not a reaction, but a swift, as a swift action, blah, action, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. yeah. I think that it, it saves on page space in the long run to have that icon. Yeah. Um, to just tell you what it is because an action's an action as far as the economy <laughs> goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also appreciate um, just on the action front of it, how it kind of ties back into the game mechanics for from the core rule book where most creatures will have a, usually it's a bite of a bite mm-hmm. primary attack and then instead of being you know it gets a bite and two claws because it's a cat it's mm-hmm. now it has a bite and it also has agile claws so you're probably mm-hmm. still going to get dupe secondary attacks with the claws but you could feasibly go you know what it just bites you three times um yeah, it says it's just really trying to eat you <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> But and on the on the combat side of it, I found it interesting that a lot of monsters, especially when you're looking at something like like a kraken or a creature with multiple limbs, that they'll give you options for both individual attacks where it's, you know, here's a two action thing it can do and then gets a you know ton of attacks on a single target. Mm-hmm. Or it's got, you know, a different action that can do or can do multiple attacks on multiple targets. Mm-hmm. And so it gets away from the whole thing of this is a cool monster and it gets five attacks per round, but it had to move more than five feet. And so it only gets one attack because it's, you know, in first mm-hmm. edition, it would only get a standard action. Yeah. Uh, which is why creatures with pounce were so amazing. Uh, but, and it also, <laughs> it, yeah. with the way they're set it out now, it, I feel like some of the monsters, especially the big ones that do tons of damage, they're almost incentivized to do big sweeping attacks that hit multiple targets instead of fixating on one enemy. And I feel like that helps the flow of the game, even if it's tactically advantageous to take out one PC at a time. It always sucks to be that one PC that gets hit by a thing that has pounce. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, congratulations, you know, this monster pounced on you. Oh, also, it has like two rake attacks in addition to it's like three attacks that it's already getting on you. 
And, yeah. oh, you're in the negatives before you've even gotten to your initiative count. You've been chosen as the dragon's target. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> and as a bite, the rest of the party's like, we didn't get touched. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, guys, yep. I'm dead. Oh, yeah. No, I got through that without a scratch, actually. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, uh, the Lamia matriarch is a good example of that, where it gets a, uh, it gets to make a scimitar attack against each enemy within reach. Each attack counts towards the multiple attack penalty, but the penalty does not increase, uh, until after all the attacks Mm -hmm. and the first enemy she damages subject to, uh, the matriarch's crest. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of cool that it gives you a neat ability that you can use on multiple targets without it being, she shoots a fireball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think generally speaking, I was very impressed with this book mm-hmm. and, uh, it kind of, I feel like it flows into that idea that it justifies the reason why they decided to have monsters use their own mechanics for building them mm-hmm. because it lets them make creatures that feel more like what they should be. Yeah. Um, they're more worried about making it, having it do a cool thing than having it adhere to this, this strict rigid structure. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I think a lot of that we're going to answer in some of the questions that we've got coming up. Yeah. So, I know Rick, you have one monster in particular that you're you know, a big <sighs> fan of. Yeah. So I'm not going to steal your thunder on that one, but I love that monster so much. It's not really a monster, but eh. yes. <laughs> So, yeah, do we want to jump into, uh, I think we're about 30 minutes in, a little bit over 30 minutes in, into this so far. So, why don't we jump into our listener questions? I'm for Sounds it. good. And if uh, you're out in the chat and you want to add some more questions to it, feel free. And we've got Jordan keeping an eye on that. Mm-hmm. So, if he looks like he's giving you the side eye, that's why. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Basically. That oh, and I'm all get out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Ross, how about you? Uh, you give us our first question on there. Sure thing. So we have uh, Rose the Lesbian on our Discord channel has asked, Hey, Rose, hey, Rose uh, what is your favorite monster and why? So do we want to start with me or do we want to go? How, how do we want to do this? But why don't you go first? Okay, yeah, go for it. All right, fine. I'll go for it. Fine. I'll do it then. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> So this probably won't come as a surprise to anybody who has ever played a game with me. Um, I have always loved mimics. I think they are one of the coolest monsters of all time in anything. Um, But I think door at me once. It was fun. I know it was. It was. (laughs) You were the one who got. I don't think you were the one who got stuck. But yes, I believe uh, that was fun. Oh, God. I remember. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Mimics, I think, are great. I love the uh, second edition update to them. I think it um, keeps the core of the monster that I've always known and loved um, rather intact. And I love the uh, Galarian version of it, too. And, um, you know, they kind of borrowed, I think, some of this from um, uh, Classic Monsters Revisited or one of it's one of those source books um, that they had um, where they kind of made the mimics these sort of like alien like beings that are trying to figure out humans and all that stuff. I always thought that was really interesting. Um, So, I mean, this really just feels like, you know, intelligence shapeshifter 
mixed with, you know, a kind of oozy squish monster, I think is what my note says here because I just <laughs> like squish monster. And it reminds me a lot of John Carpenter's The Thing, which is also a movie I love. So it is yeah. a great movie. The prequel that they made to it was actually surprisingly good. I have not it's seen CGI that. heavy, which is my only like it, it, mm. it veered away from the practical effects to CGI, which is my only beef with it. Yeah, fair enough. Should I go next, Jordan? Uh, yeah, go for it. Sure. So uh, I'm going to talk about a personal favorite of mine, which is the Utyug. That's how I'm going to choose to pronounce <laughs> it. However you want. The, the, the amazing tripod. They basically look like a meatball with a mouth with three tripod legs and three tentacles sticking up off the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're poop monsters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, much. yeah, there's no other yeah. way around it. And, uh, you know, Ross, Ross kind of sold me on them whenever we went through. Uh, I was a player in the Curse of the Crimson Throne that that Ross played. And it was just uh, a nut yug that answered everything with like one word exclamations. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, what? And I, 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 yeah, what? <laughs> and they have a lot of. They're kind of fun as they're not evil. You know, they're mm-hmm. just true neutral monsters that just. Most of the time they move into sewers because they're like, oh, it's an all you can eat buffet mm-hmm. and make their way down into the sewers. And like some nations actually keep them in the sewers to actually handle like sewage problems. Yeah. And I love the additional. And maybe this was established somewhere in first edition that uh, was it. Utyugs are territorial, but they have been known to form loose collectives, even giving each other important sounding names, titles like King of Ophel and Duchess of Slime to indicate their oh. rank and station <laughs> in their sludgy underworld beneath their streets. That's amazing. Uh, I love I, that so much. <laughs> I forgot how much I like that, Yugs. That's yeah. great. Oh, man. Um, okay, I mentioned Clockworks, but they're not in this book, so I'm not going to talk about them. Um, but uh, apparently somebody in the chat was saying they do come in. They're not, they're being introduced in Best Series 3, so there's hope. Okay. Hey, nice. There's uh, hope. So what's inside of here? Um, I like all outsiders. I always think they're really interesting, but I especially like devils. Mm. Um, the idea of a lawful you know, evil kind of sect, I think is just interesting. I, so mm-hmm. my favorite is the contract mm-hmm. devil. Yeah. Um, and if you don't know, apparently their new name is the Fistophilus. Um, and they are literally draped in contracts. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the things the bestiary did that I thought was really funny is any contract that's draped over them is immune to all damage. They yeah. literally had, to, they literally codified that. So <laughs> their favorite contracts they kind of wear as like clothing. So I just think it's just so like, extra like ridiculous you know over the top but it also has this like super menacing undertone of like they're literally the most evil lawyers ever yeah so like that's how you audition for that role is just be like the most evil lawyer possible <laughs> it's like uh, the idea yeah. of some fighter like slicing at it and it just bounces off the uh, yeah yep. exactly like, use it as a shield <laughs> <laughs> what no what it's amazing i also appreciated that uh the contract devil in the in this book as opposed to in the the first edition is female instead of male. Yep. So they do a good yeah. job of portraying the fact that, you know, not all contract devils look the exact same. Yeah. It also means yep. that you could use both of the type of artwork if you ever needed to do a uh, mm. an online game with two contract devils. Ooh. I want to know the scenario that led to that being oh, the God. thing that happened. <laughs> what <laughs> did you do? Oh, no. <laughs> You just, you just show up and you're trying to break up like a legalese fight between the two of them. Oh, no. It's an Oxford comma. Uh, <laughs> it's more evil to do it this way. Objection. Uh, yep. 
Oh, man. So, great question, Rose. Hmm? Yeah, no, that was a good one. All right. Um, I suppose uh, our second oh, question yeah. here. Uh, do any creatures stick out as more or less interesting than in 1E? That is from Good King Herod- Hadrian. Yes. So I guess uh, we'll just go in the same order because I think that makes it easy. And sure, um, yeah, I wanted to say that I am a huge fan of the Owlbear redesign, like um, as far as just what they're capable of in combat, because Owlbears, um, I've also run Kingmaker in which Owlbears um, are somewhat uh, iconic. And yeah. uh, <laughs> everybody loves the uh, dread hoot of the Owlbear. Um, sure. And... <laughs> I just, I love their screeching ability. I love that, like, they've got this sort of, like, before owlbears were basically just bounds of hit points that could hit you really hard. And that was, like, the main thing about them. But now it's like, oh, no, like, owlbears are these just, like, terrifying, like, giant creatures of just, like, strangeness that just pop out of the woods and, like, scare the pants off of you, you know? And it's just, it's really interesting to me. I like it. Because I'm more I of agree. like a cryptid vibe. Yeah. Well, and they're still devastating too. Oh yeah. No, they still <laughs> hit really hard. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. They it's will just... still kill you. <laughs> They've just got other tricks now too. So uh, I suppose for mine, I'm going to talk about a monster that is not a monster because I dislike that it is commonly associated as a monster. Mm-hmm. However, it is a creature in the best area as it is a beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to talk about the shark. I feel like sharks mm. are way more interesting in 2E than they were in 1E. Because in 1E, they were basically, um, there were a ton of hit points with teeth. Mm-hmm. And they swam around and they bit you. And that was kind of their whole shtick. And as kind of a rule, I think animals got the short end of the stick because they didn't want to really give animals any supernatural abilities or anything like that because they wouldn't really be an animal anymore at that yeah. point. Uh, and so they didn't get cool spell-like abilities or anything that they could do. And now the the great white shark, as put out in here, it has this, uh, they get awesome abilities that make them feel like a shark and actually move and attack like a shark. So they get strafing bites where they can come up and just kind of take a little nibble and then swim off just to, you know, just kind of test the waters with you. Uh, it does like, a, I think they can move, hit, and then move again as a single action and uh, do half damage whenever they do it. Mm-hmm. But they actually get and this is my one of my favorite abilities of any creature in this book, which is their breach, where they can mm. swim up to its movement speed and then leap vertically out of the water up to 20 feet, 25 feet high, Jeez. make a strike against a creature at any point during the jump. This lets them hit any creature within 30 feet of the water's surface. And after the strike, they then splash back down into the water. Oh, my. Yeah. Nice. And it's just it's that that iconic, you know, shark week image of the shark mm-hmm. bursting out of the water, flipping up in the air and all the rest of that. And it also means that you're not even safe on boats anymore. <laughs> so I mean, I, like one, one of the people in the comment just said, can pull Batman right off that ladder. Yeah. <laughs> That's an old reference. That's like pre my life reference. Yeah. I love it though. That's great. Uh, as long as he hasn't forgotten just... his bat yeah. shark repellent. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. They're also telling uh, us that Rick, you're crackling a bit. Oh, so am I crackling? Like jiggle, I apologize. Yeah, jiggle your cables or something. So uh, let me see if I um, can. So I'm going to go off script from what I had written um, because I, we've already talked about blue lights to death. Um, mm. I'm actually going to say skeletons 
are a lot more interesting. Like, it's really weird to think of something that's like the the basic, like, first undead you ever fight kind of a thing. But um, they gave them the ability to throw their heads. So they get a ranged attack now. And I just think that's super fun. <laughs> interesting. It's got like, kind of yeah, a... it's just a... a hmm. oh, I don't I'm know. Just gonna... it just, yeah. It's just like, it's just like, you know, it's weird. Like, mm. it's just different. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, it's a new way to play skeletons. So, like, even something really basic like that has got a brand new strategy kind of behind it, you know? Yeah. yeah. It feels vaguely Castlevania-esque. Like, I, I I don't distinctly remember it, but I think that there was, like, you know, Castlevania skeletons could throw their heads at you or something. Yeah. Actually, I, I don't remember s- if it's in Castlevania or not. I was immediately mm. thinking, uh, anyway. Yeah, One of the old side-scrolling, you know, games yeah. from back in the day. Uh, yeah. Please let me know in the comments or... if I'm still having any issues uh, with the You uh, are still crackling. I can I'm hear it I'm still crackling now. now. Oh, I'm paying yeah. attention, so now I hear it. <laughs> All Let's right. Try plugging that in and back back in it again. Um, let's see here. I think it might be. Give it a test. Test. Check one, two. Check one, two. Hopefully that helps that issue. Uh, I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what that is. There's still some some noise in there. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Well, I'll there. keep working on this if you guys want to continue in the background. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so I guess uh, Jordan, do you want to go in and get us uh, started with the next question here? Yeah. Um. Did did we we say who asked that last question? Uh, that was Good King Hadrian. So okay, yes. Good King Hadrian on our Discord. Mm-hmm. We have a Discord. Join yeah. it. Yeah, Be it's fun. Um, okay, next one. Also from Rose the Lesbian. Uh, favorite creature type and why is it oozes or fungus? <laughs> you know, I. Okay, so I'm going to say something, um, you know, like fungus as a separate creature type, I think is fun. Oozes, I just, I still get kind of eked out at, you know, like maybe, <laughs> maybe I've just fought too many like uh, gelatinous cubes in my day, but I'm just like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I like it. So, but anyway, um, I guess to answer uh, Rose's question though, uh, personally, I do like the beast type. I always liked magical beasts um, in first edition. The beast type, I think, covers just such a neat variety of uh, creatures. But I also just want to make a quick shout out. I like that giant is now its own separate creature type as opposed to being a subtype of humanoid. So, woo. Hmm. Yeah. W- worth stating also, because I don't know if we actually mentioned it. They did redo all of the types. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a bunch of different types now that didn't exist before. So we mentioned like arboreals for like plant creatures mm-hmm. and plant adjacent kind of creatures. Um, there's fae. There's, um, you know, still like constructs, but like fiends cover all like devils, demons, uh, uh, demons. So celestial for the opposite end. Yeah. Yeah. Fun yeah. Stuff. Yeah, so they kind of did some compression just so there's not 800 different types. Hmm. All right. And uh, let me know if I'm still having an issue with my audio. Uh, Hopefully yep. that's going to... Yeah, you are. Yeah. Then uh, I've got nothing for it. <laughs> All right. Well, so. I guess we'll just keep pressing forward then because... Yep. Yep. Uh, All right. S- um, go for it, Rick. Yeah. So as far as mine is concerned, out of those two options, it would be oozes. Because mm. there's always room for Jilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, honestly, because I, I just like the uses. I've always liked gelatinous cubes and things like that. <laughs> Maybe that's uh, why I have a fear of them. Gelatinous cubes. <laughs> oozes, oozes have that like 
that ick factor that you just it's hard to get in other stuff like they're just mm. icky man it's true yeah and then uh for but honestly uh if i was going to say any of them i'd say undead mm. i love the the versatility of the undead how you can have a mindless zombie mindless skeleton to up to things like liches and incorporeal creatures like ghosts and you can have they're generally speaking bad undead but you can have a tragic undead monsters and all the rest of that so mm -hmm. i just i appreciate the the level of versatility you get from the undead absolutely um i i'm gonna say constructs um that's what clockworks first off i mean <laughs> but it's also like i every time i've had a construct fight it's been memorable like I can't remember ever having a fight that was just like, eh, it's a construct, no big deal. Like every time I've been like on the edge of my seat, really like freaked out, you know, mm. into it. Like, and that's, you know, it's weird to like constructs to somebody who likes playing as spellcaster because those usually are like the antithesis of all spellcasters. But I don't know. I, I always remember good construct fights. I don't ever remember bad construct fights unless it's because we got wrecked in that fight. But like, you know what I mean? Like never yeah. just like throw away. You know, yeah, it was still interesting, even if, you know, you were on the receiving end rather than, you know, right. The damage yeah. dealing end. Yeah. I do like also the uh, changes to the golems. I just want to throw that out there real quick. I think um, the way that their spell immunity works now is a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, and with that, I guess we'll move on to our next question here. Um, so tilted access from our, uh, discord channel asks anything you think should have been included in beast area one that was held back for two or three or, you know, whatever ends up coming after them. So first of all, on a personal note, um, tassel worms would have been great to have had in the first best area just because it would have made hollow's last hope a little easier because I had, I ended up changing the fight um, into like a river Drake that had some sick. I, I, I made it work in the end, but like <laughs> it would have been nice to have it. Um, and then uh, I also just really think blink dogs are cool. I mean, I, you know, just teleporting friendly doggos. So, um, <laughs> and uh, I just think it, I really want to see what they do in second edition with them, but fingers crossed that soon. Absolutely. Hopefully that well, maybe solves it's the problem. Two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Honestly, if I was going to pick out something I've recently developed, um, no spoilers here, but I've recently developed a certain love for the tooth fairy. Oh, good. <laughs> I was a little disappointed that they weren't in here. Uh, however, I actually do believe that they're on the cover for the best theory three. So oh, good. I think, I think we can see some tooth fairies in our future here, here soon. Oh, Good. So nothing like some extreme dentistry. I just <laughs> good. <laughs> I, I appreciate that somebody just subbed on our uh, on our Twitch and their sub message is teeth. Teeth. <laughs> teeth. It's the teeth. <laughs> tooth. I betrayed you fast. No. Oh man. No tooth. No tooth. No. 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 Also, no, 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 no. everybody should subscribe to our Patreon and listen to uh, Tyrant's Grass because it's hilarious and depressing as all get out. <laughs> if if you are French, I apologize now. Yes, because um, I do not do a good French accent. Goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Again, changing what I previously said, um, I it's a weird one because like this is one of those like obscure monsters that you you don't see often. I like intellect devourers as another one of those mm. weird like creepy mm. kind of things. Um, so they were in the original be- uh, bestiary. They are not in this one, and I was kind of sad because they have mm. like this weird like you know they they consume the brains of people and wear and wear their you know their their skins around to experience the world. Like it's very much a like you know. We're, we're we're evil monsters, but we also have like a weird playful side that's like I've always thought yeah. was kind of interesting. So yeah. I was a little sad they weren't in there. Yeah, vaguely like scientific, almost like just like yeah, hmm. a little bit. Yeah, I wonder what this is like, and it's like now I know. It's it's that whole thing with like uh, uh, Futurama when Zer gets high and he's like, oh, but the hands they can touch everything but themselves. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like freaking out. Like I feel like that's what a lot of like when the young intellect devourers are like. Like the first time they yep. take over a body, they're like, whoa, man, I can smell. <laughs> this is weird. I think there's something wrong with that hippie. <laughs> 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 but yeah. Oh man. All right. So I think that's that one. Uh, yeah. Jordan, do you got our next question here? All right. Next question comes from Denev on our Discord. A lot of these come from Discord, if you didn't know. Yeah. Um, so he asks, what's your favorite art piece in this book? Implied in this book. Hmm. So I think for me, I am a huge fan of the redesign for the shadow like, uh, not that to say that the um, shadow from the 1E best area was, like, bad by any means. Like, it was very cool. But they just look so menacing and strange in this version. They like, have a lot more otherworldly kind of feel to them. Exactly. And yeah. so I was just like, whoa, that is creepy. Like, I really want to run one of those now. Absolutely. Um there's a part of me that wants to cheat and just say the cover because uh, I really love mm. the cover to this book. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, honestly, I'll give a shout out to uh, it's a monster. I've not, I, I think it might be new for this bestiary, but the Quailant. And it mm. is this horrifying gray, three armed, three kind oh, of legs that, that also thing. end in uh, hands yeah, yeah. with a head yeah. that has no features on it. It looks like some sort of horrifying cryptid monstrosity that climbs out of your nightmares and i just love it uh just the i the design to it the artwork the shadows uh, the way they have the shadows and the light play on it that makes it look like if you touched it it'd have the like elasticity of dolphin i wonder if there's a version of it in starfinder because it looked like it'd be also an awesome starfinder foe yeah but it's this amazing amazingly uh awesome looking lovecraftian monstrosity I love it. So, yep. Also, it almost looks like it has needles for fingers. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Like, okay, right. I've got to find. I've got to find mine so that I can show it to those of us who tuned in. Those of you who tuned in live, um, <laughs> because it's cute. And I did pick the cute thing that's also kind of menacing. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't familiar with this, but I was looking through the art and was like, "This is so cute." Um, so this is for the Elenax. Elanan, Elananks, 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 or something. But they are uh, they are mostly on the first world, and also some of natives of the uh, of the um, 
material plane, but they are a fey creature uh, that looks like a cat. <laughs> um, and I love the artwork because it looks so fearsome. I'm going to hope that that's kind of in frame there. Uh, so they are little cats with glowing red eyes and like a little like cyclone around them. So they just look like little <laughs> vortex kitties. And I thought that was super cute. I think yeah. there's an eight legged cat somewhere in this book too. I believe yeah, you're correct. But that one's like, it, it's funny because I immediately thought of Rick and Rachel's cat, uh, Sophie, when I was th- when I looked at it, I was like, ah, yeah, see, Rachel just commented that in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Sophie does have a little vortex around her. Yeah. Yes. All right. So next question here. And again, hopefully this is a, uh, my audio has improved a little bit. I'm still trying mm-hmm. things. Fortunately, yeah. I have a ton of audio equipment. Uh, so let me know if it has. Thoughts on some of the new monster unique abilities, like skeletons being able to... Oh, actually, I think... No, we haven't talked about that one yet. Did we? Hmm? I thought we just no, talked uh, about skeletons. We haven't answered this question specifically. You know? Oh, okay. Oh, I was they, like, they just, their question skeletons. had the same... Yeah, yeah it has an example. Mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> so thoughts on some of the new monster unique abilities, like skeletons being able to throw their heads, as from Mirror, Nocticulan Herald. Mm-hmm. First off, thank you for the good work being a herald. Yeah, well done. Um, <laughs> tell Sorshin we say hi. Um, yeah. And uh, Over for brunch. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess uh, to answer, I am a huge fan of the additional abilities that they gave to a lot of like what one person, what one might think of as like low level encounter creatures. Um, so orcs, kobolds, goblins, like all of them have a unique ability um, that works when they're fighting with others of their kind. And I think that that's just really cool. Like, because it helps tie in, I think um, just like tactically why these groups work so well. You know, it's like, goblins were fairly easy to deal with in first edition just because they were so chaotic and just all over the place that you never really knew what they were going to do. Um, but like kobolds, it was like, yeah, kobolds, you know, do traps and stuff. And that's really about it. And it was kind of just informed because like, if you didn't encounter a trap in that particular area, it's like, Oh, I guess these kobolds just aren't very trappy. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> But then, you know, like now they have abilities where it's like they can like retreat and like regroup and they're definitely like um, skirmishers. They're they're like hit and run tactics and all that sort of stuff, which I think is just really neat. So, yeah. What about you, Jordan? Uh, I I generally liked all of them. Um, Mm. I'm going to pick another one that I thought was really interesting is the changes that they did to the vampire are not necessarily combat specific stuff, but they did new things where it's like, okay, they have certain rules that they have to live by in almost an obsessive compulsive kind of order. So, you know, for instance, they were like, one of the examples that they give in the book is, you know, a vampire can't go into a house unless it's invited. Um, That's not necessarily a rule. That's a compulsion. So Mm -hmm. they could be, for an instance, a pirate vampire that has to be invited onto land. Hmm. You know, so it gives you this like way to kind of tweak the monster and it's not necessarily even ga- like something in combat, but it's just a really interesting way to portray that monster that I think hmm. is just super cool. Hmm. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, honestly, yeah, I was, I've been pretty happy with most of the unique monster abilities. Uh, 
again, the, the shark jumping out of the water is mm-hmm. probably my favorite of all of those because mm-hmm. that's just amazing. Uh, but I'll probably also throw in there the, the giant fly trap having a, uh, a re- reaction that it can use anytime that it's touched. So it can mm-hmm. just be like standing there nice and, you know, serene looking. And the moment you touch it, it just. <laughs> Don't have so, the fly uh, trap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that they're a great addition to it because again it makes every monster feel every encounter feel unique and it's not just okay well what spell like abilities does this monster have versus this other monster that i fought previously and it's part of the reason why you know in first edition where you'd have you know most demons a demon is a demon is a demon kind of thing they've just got different spell like abilities but then you had the babao is how i've always pronounced them i'm not positive Mm -hmm. the assassin demons yeah. That uh, if you, whenever you stab them with your weapons, they sweat acid. And so your weapons take acid damage. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well now suddenly it's a unique encounter that people have to kind of struggle to figure out a way to work around. Yeah. yeah. They did that to the Remoraz as well, where it's, it's not yeah. just if you hit it with a natural weapon, it does fire damage to you. It, if you hit with anything that takes fire damage. Yeah. And it gives it this whole like new dimension of uh kind of urgency to like, take this down as as fast as possible for your weapon melts that I think is just really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, makes those repair kits so valuable. True. <laughs> <laughs> Always pack your repair kits. Yes. Make absolutely. whole spell getting a, a new life in second edition. Yeah. <laughs> Assuming you can afford it. Sometimes I can't quite get all the gear I want with that initial 15 gold, but that's okay. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and head on to our next question here. Um, mm-hmm. Drolfdir from our Discord asks, which monster do you think will become infamous for misjudged challenge rating um, or creature level, um, I think is what they mostly refer to it yes, as now. creature. Yep. Or uh, plays out a lot in-game stronger than on paper, basically. So a firm opinion on this one. Yeah, I my opinion's a bit more shaky, just because I, I've I, I have a little less um, GM experience with Second Edition than I think Rick has had so far. Um, though obviously, you know, like you know, definitely been studying up on it. Yeah. But uh, Boulets do seem to be a lot stronger than I think um, other creatures of that level are, and possibly Utyugs as well. Um. And then I still honestly think ghouls are pretty menacing for their <laughs> creature level. Um, but, you know, it's it's going to take some time before I can be absolutely, sh- absolutely sure. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, you know, I don't think ghouls are as overpowered as they probably were in first edition. No, um, I, I think that's true. <laughs> but for me... Um, and they got a rename, but Sturges, which they uh, call Bloodseekers now, they were horrifyingly overpowered for their level in first edition because of what they could do. Mm-hmm. And uh, these Bloodseekers, as they're called now, are still vicious for a challenge rating minus one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they attack automatically when they hit you. After that, they can drain blood to cause damage without having to make another attack roll. It's an action. So feasibly, if they attack and hit you with the first attach, they could drain blood twice before you even get a turn again. After that, the uh, it gains temporary hit points from doing hit point damage to you. It also causes a status condition to you. And when you remove it, it causes bleed damage. Mm-hmm. 
So in like a one-on-one fight, sure. But if it's like, and then you walk into the room and there's six blood seekers. If they Uh, swarm on one person, no, mm -hmm. no. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Well, they're uh, dead. I I think challenge reading, challenge reading negative one for one of them might be appropriate, but the moment you get more than one of them in there, it starts to snowball. Yeah. Again, Sturges have always been, they've always been a beast. Yeah. Speaking of things with ick factor, that (laughs) (laughs) giant mosquitoes, man. (laughs) Awful. Awful. Giant bat wing mosquitoes. Um, yeah, so it's funny because you mentioned that they're more dangerous in numbers. I had kind of a similar thing because uh, I, I looked at Shadows and mm-hmm. I looked at the uh, stat block and I was like, okay, they have resistance five everything, um, but that doubles for non-magical weapons. They're only a CR4 and they um, specifically have this uh, new ability for called Steel Shadow that they every time they hit you, they're giving you the enfeebled condition. And if yeah. they hit past three then they rip your shadow off and create another shadow. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, okay, one, like it, I like the ability, don't get me wrong, because it takes something that was kind of rare and it gives it much more you know, common prominence. But if two or three of those start focusing on one person, it's like one or two rounds before they're ripping the shadow off and you're, you just have this multiplicative effect that is going to be just awful. And so I think that that's going to be one of those things that, you know, especially if you don't have a magic weapon, it's going to be very difficult to uh to deal with um at such a low level yeah then you have to do a whole peter pan thing and so your shadow back on it's a whole thing yeah that's (laughs) it doesn't actually say in there what happens like does your shadow come back does it regenerate like do you have to go on a side quest to get a new shadow like (laughs) go chasing after it come back here you have to kill it and then like stitch it back on i mean who knows who knows Mm. roll around in it for a little bit uh however it works <laughs> lay it out like a little chalk outline on the I, ground and I, lay down. I need, the top I need of them it. to publish the ritual for how you get your shadow back now. <laughs> uh, I'm sure she drink it. Anyway. <laughs> Tastes Christ. like licorice. That's, that's so gross. Oh my goodness. All right. So next question comes from Luis Loza. Friend of the show, Luis. Friend hey. of the show. I'm, his name is just on here. I'm going to assume it's from the Discord, but you know, he's, he's, He's around. <laughs> He's a guy. Um, uh, everyone who sent us a message is friend of the show, but uh, Luis is a yeah. of fame. And Actually, I don't know, don't what, know Luis how does. much he was involved in this. Book. I, I don't know. It's a good yeah. question. Um, but Luis does work for Paizo, so um, extra shout special out to him. shout out. Um, so he uh, asked, lots of the monsters have been given new mechanics to make them more interesting to fight than their 1E counterparts. The Albar has the Screech, for example. What new ability do you find most interesting or has improved on a monster the most? Mm. Breach. Breach. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to get our favorite monsters all over. <laughs> yeah. I have no. another one, so keep, keep going. <laughs> so uh, one of my favorite things, um, I love a lot of the low-level monster abilities because it really does help it not feel just like low-level combat is just trading a single blow back and forth with like a monster. Um, and one of my favorite examples of this is the dust attack from the animated broom just because it can like, <laughs> so like, yeah, it, it sweeps up dust and then you have to like cough to get rid of it. Um, and so it actually like can limit your actions, which is like as a low level creature, that's actually kind of crazy. Like awesome, you know, like, yeah. Oh wow. All right. So I was like, wow. And then of course it's just like, yeah, no, that's just the consequence of fighting a 
broom that somehow have gained the ability to fight like of course it's going to be dusty so yeah (laughs) Uh, i suppose on my part other than just the breach ability which i do love um Mm. i like that the tingu have an eye gouge (laughs) yeah Mm. um that when they Mm. when they score critical hit with their beak attack that they can gouge you in the eye and Mm. uh, (laughs) if they do like critical damage or whatever it is uh you can't um or you lose use of that eye until you are back up to full hit points. Oh, my eye. Like, that is amazing. <laughs> I'm not supposed to get beaks in it. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's, it's very thematic for, you know, I, I don't know why my brain always goes back to the, the cinematic opening for uh, the first Diablo game. Oh, it was like the creepy field. Mm. And then there's the skeleton. And then there's like the yeah. bird with its eye and its mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime I think about crows, I always think about that opening. Mm-hmm. Goodness. um i'm gonna i'm gonna not be specific but um i think any of the mechanics that make each encounter with a creature somewhat unique i think it's just super cool um that was a cool thing they started doing kind of late in uh 1e and to see it kind of front and center in 2e i think is is bodes really well for like the amount of diversity we're gonna get Mm -hmm. um so you know the uh the boulets favored uh food kind of you know differentiation i think it's just really cool because you can you can do it a lot of different ways like i mean that's open to random randomly rolling on a table that's open to you know them down the road being like hey here's a boulet and we've already decided that it's favored uh food is catfolk you know just on the yeah. off chance that you've got a catfolk in the party you know just it's kind of fun you know well, the same but- way like fighting your ranger would be different every time you fought one yeah, it'll probably kind of tie into, especially if you're playing an adventure path or something like that, where it's, you know, you've reached the gnome village and here's the boulet that's like, oh, look, a large number of gnomes. That's my favorite food and goes, mm, you yeah. know, sharking through the dirt up towards them. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, the noble boulet. Yep. Run. Yeah. Oh, man. The dreaded land shark. Goodness. <laughs> um, and and just because Jess is in the chat, Jess said the skeleton head lobbing is her favorite thing. It's I pretty mean, it's great. Favorite awesome. new mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that's a cool one. Um, all right, next one uh, from Ben uh, says, "What party would y'all build with the specific purpose of killing Tree Razor as quickly as possible? Twentieth level, whatever items you want, build your party." <laughs> jeez that's a wide canvas right there Mm -hmm. i don't think we're going to take the time to stat out an entire party but no (laughs) but um the my mind immediately went to i mean i'd really want a champion um i'd probably want a paladin because that's that's kind of their wheelhouse um dealing with demons so it's like they're literal diametric opposites on the alignment scale um and also they're just defensive which is always nice especially since there's so many just like terrible things tree razor can do to you um yeah and then uh i think that having like ranged for your damage would be nice so like the champion is basically there to you know distract it and keep it from getting to the other party members best he can um, while somebody yeah. in the background is like shooting it just repeatedly, especially since you can get like cold iron arrows and all that fun stuff. So that'd be yeah. how I'd start the other two slots. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I definitely, I agree with the champion. Uh, honestly, I would say you just want a party with lots of good fort saves. Mm. Cause otherwise it's like you walk up to tree razor and he's like, now you're a tree and I've got an ax. 
And that's kind <laughs> of his whole shtick is, you know, you're a tree, like here's that. an axe. <laughs> Chop. <Yeah. laughs> uh, I mean, he does have a special ability called defoliation. So <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. That, yeah Maybe you don't want to be a tree around him. So uh, good fortitude saves all around. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe keep your your squishier members back. Although I think it has a range of like 120 something feet. So uh, mm. yeah, <laughs> keep Hit him with keep that your long party range. far away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that ranged option again might pay off with one champion to apparently hold the ground, <laughs> hold the line. I'll keep him distracted. Just keep shooting, <laughs> <laughs> keep firing. Goodness. All right, I'm going to do a weird one because I, I, one, I'm lazy and this was a simple build. All druids, 20th level, all druids. Yeah. He desecrates like entire areas. You send in this, the elite SWAT team of druids. Mm. Just a bunch of arc druids just going, hey. Jess is also saying that was hers, but I have it written in my notes over here. <laughs> I thought of it first. Well, considering all of his <laughs> his, uh, his benefits against plants, just make sure it's not an all leshy druid party. Oh, Ooh. yeah, no. I mean, that would be awful. Horrid wilting. Oh, no. It's so, it's oh, so no. horrid. <laughs> oh, no. All right. So uh, next question comes from uh, Knott's. Yep. Uh, not so free Willy. Which I just love as a screen, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> uh, if you were to be, be monster tamers, Pokemon trainers, what three or six monsters would you have on your team? Okay. So um, I went for three monsters because usually for tournaments, that's what you do. I know relatively little about Pokemon, <laughs> but I know three for the big tournaments. Um, yeah, I was going to say and, the ladies should have been here for this one. Yeah. Yeah. Though I, I mean, I've played a decent number of them. I think the last one I played was sun, which wasn't that long ago, but I don't have the new one. So uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, I went for Alibear, Pegasus and Direwolf. Um Mostly going from, you know, I like to have like Owlbear, I figure would probably be kind of like a fighting ish type um, and just a big like HP tank. Uh, Pegasus, it's always nice to have a flyer. Um, and then a dire wolf is uh, just kind of rangy fast, all that fun stuff. So, yeah. Not a bad choice. Uh, I play, I think I played the original Pokemon. And mm. uh, I remember that apparently, I guess I went hard mode because, uh, they put that, you know, the, was it uh Charmander? Oh, yep. That's there. And you, and he's the yeah. cool looking lizard with a fire on his tail. And apparently like, that's the hardest one to play. Cause I guess water is your yeah, first well, big thing. Uh, uh, rock. Oh, well, it's rock. Uh, yeah. And, and so any of the other two are a better option. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I can't uh, really burn rocks. It's hard. But mm-hmm. I do not learn from my mistakes. Uh, and so <laughs> I would go with uh, frost Drake, flame Drake, river Drake. I like it. Team Drake. I like it. <laughs> oh, man. Make your character I, Nathan. Yep. <laughs> yep. Nice. Be good old Nate. Bring in my, uh, and again, you, you get a, you get a wide variety of elemental attacks between all of those. So Nate there you go. The Drake. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, so Jess has already weighed in. She would take a boule, a shadow and an ancient brine dragon. <laughs> That's okay. Very strong. That's an interesting uh, one. Uh, So I I guess I have to go down to three because the rest of you guys did three um, because I had a whole list of six. Um, Um, I'll take off Tree Razor because that was just my haha, it's Mewtwo kind of (laughs) my OP. Uh, (laughs) Um, I I would go with a troll because mad regeneration skills and if they don't have fire or acid, you're eventually going to win. 
a dragon because you can't ever go wrong with a dragon. They have and a specific a Jin, color? Uh, or type if you're going metallic. Uh, let's go metallic and I would I'd just go classic and go red dragon. That's, that's not metallic at all. That's chromatic. Yeah, right. that's chromatic. Oh, metallic then what, is it bronze that <laughs> does fire? Fuck. Uh, <laughs> gold and Language. bronze, I believe. Yes. Uh, and also gold, yeah. Yeah. Ah, fine. Um, and then I and then to beat all end all, I'd take a gin, get some mm. wishes going. <laughs> Yeah, noble gin. I'm going, I'm going go to around. outlast everybody. Is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I wish I hadn't lost. Uh, all right. Uh oh, Jess apparently cheated. She says the brine dragon's from Bestiary Two, so uh, she'll swap that for the Dryad Queen. Uh, that's a very <laughs> Jess choice with the uh, nature. Forced my hand. <laughs> I suppose I'll have to swap out the brine dragon for a Dryad Queen. Uh, the very yes. Jess choice going for a book that we aren't already using. <laughs> no, that was that was that was cheating of the highest order. <laughs> I found this obscure spell from Planes of Power. <laughs> I don't even own Planes of Power. Uh, oh goodness! All right. So for our next question, and it seems the final question, as far as uh, the Discord questions are concerned. How do you feel about the inclusion of Aeons with Inevitables? Um, asks. Poutine? Poutine? That's Poutine. Poutine. Okay. Okay. I was like, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly. Anyway. um, We're not good at pronouncing real names, let alone. (laughs) (laughs) What are words? Um, Word hard. I don't know. Uh, Anyway. So I think that it's, uh, I mean, I think it's a fair move. Um, Aeons, I'll be honest with you. I really don't recall them from first edition i'm sure there's somebody out there that's like aeons are my favorite and like you know they love them but i just i can't even remember what they are uh, <laughs> so you know like when i was looking through it was like oh okay aeons right they were a thing and then stuff i just sort of axis <laughs> yeah i honestly eh. But, um, you know, I mean, obviously, like, I'm sure they're, they're cool and all. I just, I don't recall them specifically. I feel kind of bad about that. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, I, th- I do think it makes some sense to consolidate outsiders by alignment. So, hmm. you know, if, I mean, because when you think lawful evil, you think devil. That's true. Um, when mm-hmm. you think chaotic evil, you think demon or occasionally quip off. And asking chitons uh, or something, I think, didn't help. Yeah, yeah, et cetera. Uh, so, waters, yeah. yeah. So having like your lawful nu- neutral outsiders be kind of organized in one type. One, it's a very lawful neutral thing to do. True. And two, it just kind of makes them a little bit easier to find. Um, mm-hmm. I like that they've also included uh, axiomites in yeah. with the aeons now. Yeah. So that's kind of a kind of rolled it all in together to find it all in one place. Uh, again, yeah. sometimes. If I was going to complain about the consolidation of monsters in any place, it wouldn't be with the Oxyomites mm. and the Aeons and such. Yeah. Um, although, don't get me wrong, I love Inevitables. True. Yeah. I remember you kept throwing in a bunch, I think, in a bunch <laughs> of different campaigns. Nothing like a poorly worded cosmic order to take things out of context. Oh, no. <laughs> Go Judge Dread to the furthest extreme. Oh, no. 
Yeah, but the uh, yeah the only reason I know anything about Aeons is I rolled them into a homebrew campaign I ran, mm. um, and so I learned a little bit about Aeons. Don't remember ever seeing them. I think we may have done something with some part of that in Mummy's Mask, maybe. Yeah, I'm not even. I'm literally not even sure of that. Axiomites. I looked at them. They looked funny. At that's mm. it. I mean, they were not prominent in the setting enough to where I think it justified them having their own. And I think part of what they're trying to do is just simplify it to make it easier for people to understand. Yes, there could be three di- different types of outsiders, but they are all under one umbrella just for ease of reference, because like it's, it's never been difficult to find the devils in the book. You just go to the devil section, you know, mm, yeah. and I think they're kind of going for that same flavor of you go to this section. This is where all of X thing is. Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair for the Aeons, you know, they do have like a, a throne somewhere in space. Ha hey. people are fighting against. A- yep. Interesting. Starfighter. Yeah, that's uh. Starfighter against the Aeon throne. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Okay. okay. I'm we, we, we don't play a lot of Starfighter. Yeah. I play a lot of Starfighter fans that got really excited. He's like, I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's awesome, by the way. Take but, that, yes. Aslanti. Yes. Oh man, I've dipped my toe you in your space eugenics. But... <laughs> oh goodness! All right, I got to scroll back up in the chat now uh, mm. to pull out questions from the chat. Okay, so first one comes from Graphs. There's like five Z's afterwards uh, in the hey, chat, Graf and the boys, I assume it is Graph yes. and the boys. Hey, uh, <laughs> who who writes a uh, question? What do you think about the quote unquote loss of spell like abilities, supernatural abilities, etc.? I feel like spell like abilities and super well, you know, supernatural abilities. I feel like they still have to a large degree because you know you've got your uh, the abilities that the creatures now have, where it's just mm. like it spends two actions and it does a whirlwind attack or whatever you have, uh, or breathes fire. The uh, the spell like abilities I felt like were something in first edition that was a little over relied on because it's here's a monster here's a you know whatever you have it giant lizard monster and we're going to give it some spell like abilities so that it can shoot fireballs out because it probably is going to have to deal with a party of four to six adventurers and now they just go okay mm-hmm. well here's you know this dragon creature and it can either lob a glob of fire spit that explodes out like a fireball or it can breathe a you know line of fire or a cone of fire so mm-hmm. i feel like they kind of removed the spell like abilities to give them cool abilities that replicated some of those while also making them a little bit more thematic mm-hmm. um, also from just a gm standpoint it's not, not nice not to have to reference your spell chapter all of the time anytime you're running a monster <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. usually yeah, it, it- Quick, quick tip out there for any game masters. Usually just pick out like three or four of them. They're, they're going to die before they can get through their entire spell list. Oh, yeah. So absolutely. <laughs> I was literally just going to mention that. It's like you actually get to focus on what's the like very unique thing about the creature instead of going, I've got 50 spells I could pick. I'm going to have time for two. That's mm. it. You know, like yeah. it's definitely like more respective of the likely action economy. You know, how long is this monster really going to last? It's yeah. probably not going. I mean, well, the monsters do last longer in 2E. So. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. But it's like, you know, you get the chance to showcase, I think, a lot more of the abilities yeah. than just saying it has 12 things it can do. But even if it if I go to six rounds, I'm not going to get to show all 12, you know. 
Well, not all of them were necessarily useful for combat. It's like, oh, the creature has a spell-like ability to cast Augury once a week. And it's like, that's neat, but it's not going to do that in combat. Like, that's not happening. So, um, and I think it also is, you know, like there were sometimes confusing distinctions. Like, okay, well, is this a supernatural ability? You know, every once in a while, it was like one of those weird corner cases where it's like, okay, well, because it acts like X, it doesn't actually like it because it acts like a supernatural or spell like ability. It doesn't work quite the same way as one might think it does. Which was it's, always like slightly confusing. Yeah, that's like the uh, stone to flesh versus break enchantment argument mm-hmm. on Medusae mm-hmm. and basilisks, where yeah. like one of them's yeah. a supernatural and the other one's extraordinary. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, well, now we're getting real deep into the rules. So how does this work? Yeah. Which <laughs> just it really seems enchantment? like an- No. it's an extra layer that just didn't i feel need to be there i mean it is an artifact too from you know 3.5 and all that stuff so yeah yeah yep it's a good question okay that's Mm -hmm. that's a great question all right next question from speedruns kill also in the chat live with us um how do you feel yes how do you feel about enemy npcs no longer having class levels at least from what i can tell that's more of a modules AP question, admittedly. It is. I I find it odd. Um, I think I think it lets the players feel a little bit more unique. So it's not, you know, I'm a dwarven fighter, and if we show up to a dwarven town, then I'm going to be surrounded by like 18% of this town's population's dwarven fighters. Uh, <laughs> but it i think that they solve the issue a little bit by having them simply say here's an npc and just give it a couple fighter feats and mm. so it still gets the feel it gets the flavor of being a fighter without being a fighter mm-hmm. um, yeah that's that's my closest think- brush to it it makes it easier to build characters um, like NPC characters. If you are expecting combat with those NPCs um, just yeah. because again, they'll just follow the monster rules. And I think it is neat in some cases that it can actually in, um, make a uh, encounter more unique because it's like, Oh, okay, well we're fighting, you know, another cleric. It's going to have this ability and it's going to have this ability. And, you know, like, Instead, it's like, oh, well, you're fighting a divine spellcaster, but they're not really a cleric. They've got kind of this weird, like, connection thing. It's not maybe, you know, yeah. like, you can make it, like, feel different, even though, you know. It's like a cultist it, with a three-round action that lets it call it, lets them call an imp or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, wow, well, that's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Limitless yeah. imps. <laughs> oh, no. So All you can imps. imps. <laughs> Limit imp. Uh goodness so yeah Yeah. i think it's an interesting change but yeah and i I think honestly like it's it's an experiment in some ways like Mm. if there is always the opportunity to add it back in with like the template system or some other mechanic to add it back in they seem to be kind of doing that same thing with archetypes where it's like they may have rules where it's like hey or if you need to bolt on you know it's a cr4 you need to bolt on some cleric here is the recommended way to do it and give you those kind of like flexibility. 
Because I know yeah. the biggest thing in first edition that just drove me nuts was having to stat out any kind of wizard at high levels because it's just like it's it's too many choices, right? It's too many options. And so I think if it gives you some of those good guide rails, I think you can you can add that on without it being necessarily something that means I'm going to have to spend two hours basically statting out a full character at 18th level, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I do find it a little odd when they uh, don't give classes to anyone. So when it's just like, you know, here's this character and you next to it's just like, you know, human Mel Baker. Oh, okay. He's a, all right. He's part of that rare Baker class. It's a <laughs> fun time. <laughs> it's a holdover from third edition. It's a six level prestige class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, goodness. Oh, man. Next question comes from RevCon, also live in the chat. Uh, He asked, question, which monster would the GMs, all of you, most want to make a player-friendly NPC? And players, Jordan and Ross, most want as a friend. Oh, man. (laughs) I was not ready for this question. (laughs) Hmm. I've got an answer just because uh, I've hmm. I've gotten a chance to do this a couple times recently. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on your toes. No, go for it. Go for it. Uh, They've included Nisoy in here. Uh, and I know oh, how much man. my players love Nasoy psychopomps. Yeah, oh, they're so, so cool. uh, that would probably so nice. be on the list there. Um, <laughs> I get real tired of talking that fast, real fast, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and making up a uh, grammatically incorrect but understandable yeah. like Amoral. gibberish. Yeah. <laughs> <Amoral>. <laughs> uh, it's, it one of the beauty of remote recording. Is uh, the first time I introduced the Nisoy uh, behind the scenes look here at Find mm. the Path Ventures. First time I introduced the Nisoy, I had to just talk as fast as I absolutely could uh, because we're recording in the studio. And uh, now that we're doing the remote recording, the second time that I uh, you know introduced the Nisoy and got to talk as a Nisoy again. Uh, I got to not have to talk as fast because I could speed it up in post since I was on an individual uh-huh. channel. So yep. <laughs> that made it a little bit easier. Yeah. So uh, behind the, not even behind the screens at that point, literally behind the scenes. Hmm. <laughs> Fun times. Okay. Well, I, I have mine. Um, so the one as a GM, I would love to let party members play around with would be a phoenix i think it would be really interesting to have a campaign where having a phoenix companion or friend wouldn't actually be overpowered at least at the point where you encounter it yeah and i also just feel like they just don't get enough love and you know um any of the adventure paths or anything like that and phoenixes are cool i like phoenixes um yeah as a player, and this is just more of a uh, selfish thing, but uh, one thing I've always wanted to do is to have a Pegasus Knight. So oh, yeah. I think it'd be really cool go. to have like a Pegasus friend and then you fly around on it and, you know, like <laughs> joust at people from the sky and like that'd be awesome. So, yeah. Yep. Sing the soundtrack to Hercules. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I did put the glad- nice. gladiator. So, yep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh man. Um they didn't make it in this, but I don't think, but bearded devils um was something I actually in a homebrew campaign made a friendly player character uh, and they took it <laughs> as a cohort. Um, Interesting. So, that was it was very weird 
like way that I ruled it so that it was able to be a thing. Um, they went for the whole redeemed uh, uh, arc, so it, it got interesting. But um, hmm. uh, I I honestly like it, that, that is so hard to pick because there I feel like it's always great when anything is friendly that is irredeemably evil or whatever. So like, you know, anytime that you get an opportunity to have somebody who breaks that mold and is amenable to the party and maybe goes on a redemption arc that like just tugs right at my, like my heartstrings of things. So, you know, redeem drow. Um, you know, if you're, if you've got, uh, the, you know, evil dragon who's trying to turn over a new leaf. I mean, it's always just that kind of thing for me. Um, mm. but from a selfish, like game mechanics thing, God, that's a hard one. I I, I kind of like it would be super game breaking, but I'd like an invisible stalker <laughs> for the party because you get that that thing of like they just go and tell you, but like you could totally play it off with like they're super forgetful. And so they go and they scout a whole place out and they come back and they're like, uh, there's I like know five guys. Uh, I didn't get a good look at him, but like one of them had this really weird eyebrow that kept going up and down. Like he had a twitch or something. <laughs> you know, like just like totally play it off as like. I want to say thing. they were human. They look like you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Y'all look the same to me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I just like weird things. Mm-hmm. I like weird things, y'all. Uh, oh, and then the follow up to that is which would we most want as a friend? Mm. Uh, yeah, I mm. think uh, a friendly tree razor, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> like in real life or something, or I, like... I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna mm. go for a. Uh, I'm gonna go for a slurk. If you <laughs> that would be if awesome. you look at the slurk, they're amazing. Uh, Is that the basically looking thing? Yeah, they're basically like these big bullfrogs that have like walrus tusks coming down, and they uh, they're just like big slimy toads that kind of look like hypno toad yep. from Futurama. Uh, but there's a but sidebar on them about uh, slurk <laughs> writing. Um, oh, so, and slurk nice. writing seems like it would be amazing. Hmm. Also, they can like squirt slime at people. So I would love to play it something is. like a kobold with a slurk. <laughs> Gracious. That would be amazing. It would be, it'd be pretty great. Um, I love everything about that. Also, apparently uh, the quote to quote on here is uh, the back slime grants its writer plus two circumstance bonus against any attempts to physically dismount the writer. Oh, hey, nice. So that's some useful slime. I'm literally too slimy to push off. <laughs> Never. Never thought you'd be saying that, did you, Ross? Yep. Well, not in a good way at any rate, yes. <laughs> it's like, no, this is what I want. Yeah, slime. Oh, let's do goodness. it. <laughs> this is I Nickelodeon. Run a, I, I think I got to run a slurk once in like a Pathfinder Society module or something. Oh, that's amazing. So it just kind of stuck with me. Slurk. Yeah. I, I think if I was thinking like real life, like what would I want to have a friend on? I'd pick a unicorn because mm. like you know how many people you'd make happy with a yeah. unicorn? Like you could never be angry at somebody in front of a unicorn. Like that's just too magical. Right. So like, <laughs> I feel like that's one of those things. It's just like, you just, everywhere you go, you bring happiness to every, everybody. And I just feel like that'd be just super cool. It's a real unicorn. I like it's it. A honest to goodness unicorn. It talks and curses like a sailor, but it's an honest to goodness unicorn. <laughs> oh man. Uh, you know, Kind of want to be friends with a werebear 
like named Smokey or something. I don't know. I think that would be fun. <laughs> oh man, Smokey the get back to the the you know every full moon. You know this mm. this evil person overcome by the power of the werebear and turns into a lawful good werebear. <laughs> yeah, goes, goes around, around page making fire breaks and repairing sidewalks and like <laughs> I'm building a retaining wall. <laughs> like uh. uh this, this bear just broke into my house and made sure all my fire alarms were up to date. <laughs> <laughs> right off again. Goodness. It's crazy. I think he cool was though. wearing a suit. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, man, that's my right. answer. That's a, that's a great answer. Uh, next one from Black Black Can Catando. Black Catando. I'm probably mispronouncing that. I apologize. Uh, at, from the chat says, what do you think of the dying rules on monsters? Once defeated, you can't have them healed uh, for giving up plot info. Yeah, uh, it basically means that you really have to focus on the non-lethal approach if you're really wanting to get info from them. Mm-hmm. Um, it does erase that classic issue of... Uh, and it's not as it's not really an issue in second edition as much as it was mm. in first edition, where someone will be down in the negatives. And it's like, well, technically they're at like negative three. And then someone in the party who doesn't have like selective channeling goes, okay, channel. You know, like, mm-hmm. well, technically, like three of these bad guys should be regaining consciousness right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I can see where and- it simplifies it. It also takes out, I don't know, like in the back of my mind, there was always this weird thing where it's like I mean, technically, this party is just like letting these guys bleed out in every encounter. And it's like, it's just like, I don't, I mean, it's not necessarily like an evil action, but it just felt <laughs> a little like off, you know? It's, it's like, yeah, they're either, drawing everyone. Yeah, yeah. which is really <laughs> icky. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like, I don't know. Like, it, it at least eliminates that sort of murkiness, which, I mean, maybe some people prefer the murkiness, but for me, it's just always like in the back of my mind, it's like, technically, they're not dead. Yeah. Kinda, uh. So I do understand as far as like giving information out is concerned mm-hmm. where the issue c- should come from, but uh, that is a difference. Necromancy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. prepared nothing to speak with dead today. <laughs> Let's go on a killing spree. Jeez. <laughs> oh, or again, like Rick was saying, it's just, you know, non lethal becomes a more important option at that point, and having the ability to do it becomes more important if that is something that you're yeah. interested in. Yeah, or charm and honestly, spells we were, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, we were already doing that, honestly, like from from just the way that we played. Um, because you do you were always running that gamut of am I accidentally gonna critical them near the end of their health and do them in, or am I gonna hit them a little bit too hard with a sneak attack? Like yeah. I think that it's it's it makes you have to think before you act a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that that's just a good thing in general yeah. to just, you know, encourage tactical play. Yeah. I agree. Any other questions, Jordan? I know we are a bit over uh, time. Sure. But. Okay, here's here's another one from Graphs. Uh, would you like to see boss monsters that are the equivalent of several monsters of the same level? Not hmm. sure I fully understand the question. Well, I think... Like, uh, I think one the idea is that it's a, three of the lesser kind of thing. Yeah. So like, instead of having just like one null, you can kind of do that with the elite array because it does definitely increase the strength of said boss monster. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a very vague guideline in here where it says, uh, 
if you want, just give them extra feats. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't necessarily agree with because there's not really guidance on like two feats equals a challenge rating increase or anything like that. It's just like, well, if you want, some give of that, it some feats. They cover more in like um, the game mastery guide. Yeah. They cover a lot the more like monster um, differences and stuff like that. Yeah. But now I, I would love to see another book like the uh, like the Mo- monster codex. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, where it's just something like here's hobgoblins and here's a whole bunch of hobgoblin options. Yeah. Uh, so because those are always just kind of fun to be able to fall back on. And absolutely. I remember using the. Uh, um, I guess a very minor spoiler uh, in Rise of the Rune Lords, I remember using the ogre section on that to get a variety of different ogres. Mm. So, yep, yep, it was you weird. did and creepy. <laughs> yep, I Went kind of expanded that segment. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yep. I can't say anything that's not a spoiler, so I'm just going to say yep. Nope. Yep. Banjo Town. Nope. Anyway, yeah. Okay, next question. Baron Al Torin uh, says he had the opposite question. Which monster would you love to have as the big, big bad evil guy of a campaign? Mm. Yeah, still Jordan's Thunder and say Unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> what a twist. It was the Unicorn all along. Oh, man. <laughs> so much think happiness. about that, like a, like a Unicorn that's lost its horn because they talk about how mm. they can survive and, you know, they're, they kind of live like a half-life afterwards, but then he like mm-hmm. turns to evil. So it's like a Unicorn with some anti-paladin like feats, <laughs> like, Ooh. you know, terrorizing a town because, you know, like they took in these poachers or something like that, trying that to get back its horn and a regenerate yeah. spell, I guess. So... <laughs> I don't know where I'm okay. going with that, but that's a weird one. Um, um you know, I think, um, and this is, uh, calling back to some of the earlier adventure paths, but, uh, a Rakshasa, I think would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, because I like their inclusion mm-hmm. in one adventure path in particular. Um, I don't yeah. want to name it because it's yeah. actually a pretty big spoiler. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, I think it was really interesting. So I'd actually like to see like a, a campaign end with, you know, one of them. Huh, man, I'm having a hard time coming up with something that <laughs> would want us a big bad evil guy. Cause there's so many options. That's um, true. 400 options. Maybe. Um, God, that's a, yeah, that's a tough one. I'm actually just going to look at the list of things and see what, what comes up that looks interesting. Another one um, that springs to mind would be the, uh, I think they're called Guthal, Guthalane, mm. Guthalal, but uh, Guthaleth, <laughs> Guthaleth maybe. Uh, but they're basically like 100 foot tall constructs like Shadow of the Colossus. But oh, they don't yeah. really have like intelligence. They're just ancient war weapons that every once in a while wake back up. And so, uh, you know, the idea of just having more of a force of nature as the primary antagonist where it's, you know, this maybe kaiju like thing. Yeah. Just marching towards you, (laughs) trying to figure out a way to stop it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not, it's not evil. It's just gonna, it doesn't care enough to not destroy everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, you know, I haven't seen this bef- uh, before, really, and I think it'd be really interesting. Is a grave knight? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Great events are just kind of interesting in general, but um, mm-hmm. you know, I like the the idea of the. Do they still have this where they can they just keep regenerating? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who loves to play martial characters, I always like the idea of having like an actual just full on like epic sword fight with a big bad end guy as well. So, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's just one of those interesting like monsters that I've never seen as be the big bad evil guy. But I like the idea that he keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. So it gives you that like, you know, you can fight him multiple times. Yeah. And it's it's kind of interesting. Um Going into me being a total nerd for a second, uh, in Warframe, they introduced this idea of your like kind of enemy that comes after you and gets stronger as you get stronger. And mm. I'd, I'd be interested to see what a progression would look like if it's like, you know, this Grave Knight's defeated by you and he's like very grumpy about it. And he goes out and he like, you know, hits the grumpy. weights or whatever, you know, the, <laughs> the Grave Knight equivalent is. And, you know, he finds more, art, you know, necromatic power to power himself up. And it's like this like cat and mouse game of like who's more powerful than the other. I think it'd be really cool to to explore because I really like the big bad evil guy that makes multiple appearances. So you get to really hate him. I mean, yeah. grave knights look pretty spindly. So I suppose they would need to, you know, hit the gym. The yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just getting bigger and bigger bones. <laughs> God. Oh no. It's replacing his bones. Uh, <laughs> replacing it with does, dinosaur bones. Yeah, at what get, point does he to, stop being the same grave knight though? Yeah. You get to the end and it's basically just like a rune giant skeleton with a tiny little human head on top. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh Paizo please anyway, please yeah. <laughs> I think we're getting a little punchy uh, yeah goodness. maybe goodness uh, um, but yeah I know like we've gone probably a little over time but are there any other like neat quick questions we might uh, be able to get to let me quick rapid fire real quick. yeah uh, blah, blah 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 uh, interesting question here um I don't know if I just ship a Theseus to the Great Knight, Great Knight, Great Knight, Grave Knight, because I don't recall what that reference is. So hmm. there's that. Um, but what's your favorite fighter's first monster? I don't know fighters. what fighter's first monster really. I'm gonna go to, but. Uh, basically like what they cut their teeth on. Um, I'm mm. gonna go old school and just say rat. Mm. Rat. Okay. Can't go wrong with a rat. Yeah, that's mm. a good choice. Mm. I mean, zombie, honestly. Ah, you stole mine. I was going to say zombie. (laughs) (laughs) Kill the zombie. Um, play with you. I'll I'll be, I'll be different. I'm going to say wolf. Okay. Yeah. I have a soft spot for wolves. Uh, yeah, Mm. I know. It's one of those, like, you feel (laughs) icky doing it, but you know, that's how you, that's how you harden your heart to be a warrior. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sometimes it is necessary, even if it's not, you know, it sucks. What else do we got? Oh, okay. So ship of Theseus is all the parts have been replaced. Oh, and is it still the same thing? Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because I like, was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. That's what I was referencing. But I have not, uh. I yeah. did not make that connection either. So, yeah, for some reason, my head was like, what, what happened? Someone this, is is why, this is why doing this live is helpful because they can tell well, us we're stupid. <laughs> see, I, I thought you said shipping Theseus as in like. I kind of like, got uh, that too. Like I was like oh, shipping yeah. Theseus with who? The Grave Knight? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Yikes. So, anyway. Goodness. Who's Theseus anyway? Yeah. Uh, uh yeah no we don't really have any uh lightning round questions so yeah. I, right. think I was shipping gonna... theseus it would be hector 
Mm. Yeah, Rich, that's Rich just called us out on the fact that we don't have any of the lit majors here because they would have totally gotten that reference. I so, bet they would have. <laughs> they easily would have. <laughs> Gracious. Well, I guess we'll leave it off there. Thank you for tuning yeah. in live mm-hmm. and on YouTube and on our uh, Find the Path Ventures feed where this will eventually end up. Absolutely. Yeah. So best theory, a definite, uh, I would give it a solid two thumbs up. I very much mm-hmm. enjoyed the best theory. Uh, I think it's almost, I, I think it almost goes without saying it is necessary to play the game. hundred <laughs> percent. True. <laughs> Definitely yeah. necessary. <laughs> yeah. But I would have bought it regardless. Mm-hmm. Goodness. It's that fun of a read. Absolutely. Agreed. All right. Well, and with that, thank you so much guys. And we will catch you in the next what is, what is this? The next research check in two yes. weeks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good luck and out stay there, tuned for uh, more updates here soon. So. Absolutely. I'll tease them. Good luck, <laughs> Pathfinders. Goodness. Bye, Pathfolk. Have fun. Have fun.